What's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome back to the Backwards Hat Podcast. All right, so we have a lot to unpack today. So as I mentioned in my last episode, if you would like to uh, see the timestamps for all the different sports that we're going to be going over, make sure to check out the show notes as I will put that down there just in case you want to jump around from uh, sport to sport, just depending on your different likes. Uh, But I'm going to start with football um, as we are in football season, and that's probably always going to be the most talked about sport. So first and foremost, going to talk some college football. So earlier this week, the Heisman Trophy went to Joe Burrow. No issues there. I mean, he 100% deserved it. He's playing in the toughest conference, absolutely dominated dominated everyone. I really don't think there were any letdown games. I mean, I'm sure if, I, if I'm wrong, someone will correct me, but I just can't really think of any games where he disappeared. Uh, and so no problems there. The one thing that just consistently confuses me is why there is so much hate for the Big Ten. I mean, if you look at the way the media talks about the Big Ten, you would think that, I mean, my gosh, they might as well be ranked under the MAC or the Conference USA and nothing against those uh, conferences. But, I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, if you think about it, Jalen Hurts got placed second in the Heisman voting. And all we ever hear is, oh my gosh, there's no defense in the Big 12. There's, you know, it's all offense. That's why they have a hard time getting a a one-loss team in the playoff, which, you know, of course they got one this year. But I'm just shocked that Ohio State basically went from, oh, they're this, you know, let's talk about how they could potentially be one of the best teams in college football history. I'm not making that up. I actually saw a couple analysts say that. And then in a span of a couple of weeks, because they had a bad half against Penn State, Michigan State threw the ball a little bit on, or Michigan, I apologize, Michigan threw the ball for a little bit on them. And then uh, in the conference championship, Wisconsin had a pretty good half on them as well. And it's like, well, first of all, they came out and ended up dominating that second half against Michigan. They dominated the second half against Wisconsin. And so it's like, I just don't understand how all of a sudden they disappeared. I mean, they're basically being given no chance against Clemson. Um, I'll get to that here in a second. I'm going to come back to the college football playoff. But uh, another storyline from uh, over the weekend, the only game was the Army versus Navy game. And the the best part about all this is that there was one pass thrown by Navy the entire game. It wasn't even their QB. It was a trick play. And as I watched that, uh, I just it just made me die laughing, but good for Navy getting a huge win. I mean, they were ranked. Army's not having a great year, so um, yeah, I, nothing nothing really unexpected there. I just was shocked that <laughs> even in a triple option offense, you know, throwing one pass and then it's not even your quarterback. I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. So let's talk a little bit about college football playoff before we move on to the NFL here, LSU and OSU. I think both of them had a case to be number one. I'm really not mad either way. Um, I will say, I I do think that the SEC is the best conference. I mean, I I am an Ohio State fan. I I told you guys that last episode, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, make make a huge fuss about that because I think Ohio, if Ohio State had been ranked number one, I really don't think I would have had an issue with that. Um, but with LSU being ranked number one, Big Ten fans, or most more notably Ohio State fans, just pretty much lost their minds. And it's like, you know, uh, either way, I, I really don't think that either team got shafted um, had either of them been number one. So I'm okay with that. Like I said earlier, I am somewhat baffled that OSU has been given virtually no chance against Clemson. I mean, every analyst that I've seen is picking Clemson to win this game. And I feel like it's still a part of that 31 to nothing loss that Ohio State suffered a few years ago, which I mean, I'm sure that plays in the forefront of most people's minds. And Clemson also does have a history of, you know, playing in a horrible conference, having a couple close calls, 
making us all think, you know, shoot, does this team even deserve to get in the playoff? And then they turn it on and all of a sudden they're beating Alabama in the championship. So, I mean, I get all that. And Clemson has pretty much dominated coming down the stretch here. I'm just really shocked that Ohio State essentially has no chance when it comes to expert opinions and to gambling picks. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited for it. Uh, I would really, really love to see an Ohio State LSU championship just to, uh, one, obviously I'm a fan, but two, I think it'd be awesome to see Joe Burrow get to play against his former team. I know it'd be a little bit romanticizing the game, but, you know, obviously you saw in his Heisman Trophy speech that he has no hate for Ohio State like you know Jalen Hurts probably does for Alabama, kind of getting pushed out. So, yeah, no, no worries there. Um, another thing about the college football playoff, I really do think expansion is going to happen. I mean, at this point, people have been calling for it for so long. Now you're starting to hear <laughs> conference commissioners, you know, uh, asking, not asking for it, but not necessarily shooing it away like they were at first. I will say though, the PAC 12 commissioner, um, I, I can't remember his name, but he came out and it sounded like he was kind of against the, uh, against expansion. And it's like, dude, you're the one conference that gets left out every single year, year in and year out. How could you possibly be against expansion? Um, so I, yeah, I don't get that. I think that the argument for, Six or eight teams is valid. I think the most often that I'm hearing right now is eight. I would actually be a fan of six teams because, one, I feel like every single year there's been a legitimate uh, a, a legitimate case for six teams to get in. If you think back to the very first year, Ohio State jumped over Baylor and Oklahoma uh, to get into the, the last game or into the playoffs, and then they ended up going on to win the national championship. But I just think every year you can make a really solid case for six teams. I think that the eight would only be to appease the Pac-12 and the group of five because obviously the group of five, you know, feels crappy with teams like, you know, Central Florida didn't get in and then Western Michigan didn't get in. And I know that you're saying, oh, well, this will guarantee them a spot. The format that I'm hearing is you'll get all five power five champs. Uh, a guaranteed group of five and then two at-large bids. The problem with that, though, is what if the group of five sucks? I mean, what if you don't have an undefeated group of five team? Then you're basically saying, okay, well, we're, we're just going to throw you a bone here. Same thing with the Power Five champs. Um, usually the Big Ten and SEC have a really strong case for their champion getting in, but I just have a really hard time if a 9-3 and three Pac-12 champ gets in, you know, like if USC plays against Oregon and Oregon's undefeated, or if they're, you know, 12 and one and USC is nine and three or eight and four and meets them in the championship and beats them. I I have a humongous issue with just saying that, Oh, you're the, you're the conference champ. So let's get in. I know they want to put more emphasis on winning the conference championship, but you can't put that much emphasis on it. At least that's my opinion. I I just don't see that going well because then you're going to basically guarantee that there's going to be some upsets every now and then in the conference championship. And you're giving teams that are rightfully the best teams, they won't have a shot to get back in. I mean, I guess you could give them one of the two at-large bids, but now they're competing against all the other one loss teams for the at large. So I, I just think there's going to be a lot more headaches with that, but we'll see what happens. I'm really excited. I do think it should expand, but you know, we'll see. So uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the NFL. Now I'm just kind of, kind of, I'm kind of going to go through the games one by one. I won't spend too much time on any particular one, but last Monday, the Eagles, uh, beat the Giants. No real stories from this game. I am happy for Eli getting somewhat of a send-off win. I, I guess we don't really know for sure if this is his last game because Daniel Jones hasn't quite been ruled out for the entire season yet. They said two to four weeks, you know, with four weeks left in the season. So, I mean, I would think it's smart for the Giants to hold Daniel Jones out the last two weeks of the year and then start Eli. Uh, and which and what will most likely be his last game in a Giants uniform. I mean, I, I can't imagine him staying as a backup unless he would just like to stay in the show for a little while longer. I mean, I'm sure the money 
never hurts, although he's probably made enough money. It doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, I mean, there's really no value for him anywhere else because there's not – it's not like a Ryan Fitzpatrick where someone wants a placeholder so they'll sign Eli Manning. I, I think we're kind of beyond that point. So, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. So I think they would be smart if they um, left Daniel Jones out the last couple of games and moved Eli in. So Thursday night, though, the Ravens just throttled the Jets. Um, the Jets aren't super great, but – I mean, my goodness, the Ravens just continue to dominate. And I don't think it's this superficial, oh, they're playing a weak schedule sort of stuff that you sometimes hear for anyone other than the freaking Patriots. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson, at least for now, is the real deal. I mean, he's better than RG3, so there's no comparison. I've heard those comparisons, oh, he's going to have a great year and then he's going to get broken up. I, I mean, he's better than RG3. There's You just look at the statistics. He's There's really not even a comparison, although – I am curious to see what happens next year because the league always adjusts to these type of guys, um, to the guys that are really quick uh, and that can kind of run their way through their first year. And I'm not saying that that's all he's done. He's absolutely been a very good passer this year. But I'm curious to see what will happen when or if the league adjusts to his speed because, make no mistake, he is by far faster than guys like RG3, um, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, I mean, he's not as polished of a passer as Watson and Wilson, I don't think, because what I what I really think is Watson and Wilson, you could take away their running game and make them complete pocket passers, and I think that they would still have more success than Lamar Jackson. Now, I, I could be wrong, because he's had really good accuracy this year, but I think those two, for now, definitely would be better than Jackson, purely pocket passing. Now, it might be an unfair comparison because running is part of the threat for Lamar Jackson, but I'm just curious to see what will happen when or if the league adjusts because they typically do. And then let's look at the Sunday games from yesterday. Uh, 49ers, disappointing loss to the Falcons. I'm not sure if this is a 49ers letdown or one of those fluke Falcons wins where they decide to kind of be like the team that went to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Falcons dominated the Saints earlier this year, and then they've had two blowout wins over the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers aren't exceptional, but they're still a talented squad. So the Falcons just like to come out of nowhere for some of these games, and all of a sudden they're going to beat a team like the 49ers. And you, it's it's got to be incredibly frustrating for that staff down there to try to figure out, okay, do we have the real deal? Do we not? I mean, I, I'm really glad I don't have to make those decisions, but – Cowboys dominated the Rams. Um, I think everyone's just as confused about the Cowboys as I am. I mean, they're first in yards per game. They have probably the most talented roster in the NFL, at least top three. These This this lineup is just unbelievable, yet they just got to 500 with their win. So I just think Jason Garrett seems like a nice dude, but... So far, all the signs are pointing to his exit after this season. Jerry Jones is wishy-washy about it. I, I don't think there's any way that Jason Garrett uh, – I don't think there's any way he comes back. I am curious to see if Jerry Jones will try to find another yes man or if he's sick of all of his money being spent on a mediocre squad uh, and will actually find a coach. I know Urban Meyer's name has been floated around a lot. I I think that would be cool. I mean, just to see how Meyer would be in the NFL. He hasn't he hasn't given the NFL a run yet. So, I mean, everything that Meyer says, it sounds like he wants to coach again. I mean, I know his all of his interviews say he's completely content, but everything he says is he has to find ways to compete every single day, or he doesn't scratch his itch. And it, it just really sounds like he's wanting to coach. I am curious though because I don't think Urban Meyer would be a yes man. And I, I'm curious to see if Jerry Jones is willing to give up that kind of power. I know Washington Redskins also, I, I guess someone had floated his name out to uh, about going to the Redskins next year. And, I mean, he would definitely have more control of the team. But, you know, I heard Pat McAfee saying it on ESPN, it was either today or yesterday, that it's just a really different – a different animal going from college where you control literally every aspect of the guy's life. I mean, you tell him when he can do classes, you can tell him when his meals are, you can basically control 
everything. And then you go to the NFL where you can't hardly control anything except practice time. So uh, maybe, maybe I'm understating it a little bit, but he would definitely have more control over the Redskins than he would with the Cowboys. So we'll see how that turns out in this off season. The Vikings blew out the chargers. It's a great win for the Vikings. I mean, their defense looks really good. The Chargers, their offense has been pretty disappointing this year. I was looking back through some of their point totals, and they've had a good game or two, but they haven't really put up points like you would expect from a typical Phillip Rivers offense. Um, The Vikings, I think they're going to be a team that will have a thing or two to say when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, they have Kirk Cousins is experienced. I know he hasn't really won any big games, but he's an experienced guy. They have a phenomenal running game. Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook has been really good. I will say Cook had or Cook did go out again with a shoulder injury for the second time in three weeks. So definitely something to keep in mind there. Uh, if he's healthy, though, I think that the Vikings can uh, definitely have a good shot to make a run in the NFC. Um, I feel like in the playoffs, everyone talks about your defense and your running game. So, you know, we'll see what happens with them. Uh, hopefully Cook can get healthy for that. The Cardinals beat the Browns. I think this Browns team is going to look very, very different next year, as as does everyone else. I used to somewhat root for them uh, because I was from Ohio, and we were actually from Canton, which was pretty close to Cleveland area. So I, I wanted to see them somehow turn around. They were never going to become my favorite team, but it, it would just be cool to see in my lifetime the Browns put together a competent front office and competent staff to be able to actually do something. And now I almost enjoy them watching get spanked year in and or week in and week out. And I guess year in and year out too, because they just can't shut their mouths. I mean, I thought they were going to be decent this year, but there's not enough footballs to go around. They have too many personalities, too many guys that want to run their mouths, too many guys that blame everyone but themselves. And it's just, it's rinse and repeat for the Browns right now. So they're going to probably turn over a lot again this off season. And then we'll see, they can do it again next year. I do think they'd be a good, <laughs> a good squad for Hard Knocks again because they're just, they're just a bunch of clowns. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Raiders. The Raiders' playoff chances effectively over. Other than that, no storylines really to speak of. The Seahawks get the away win at Carolina. Their offense is just phenomenal. Ultimately, I think it'll come down to them and the Saints in the NFC, especially if Seattle gets home field advantage. I would really love to get uh, to get some tickets to a Seahawks game in Seattle. We actually had a, a couple just move uh, into Westfield, uh, and they're a part of our church right now that they are from Seattle. They just moved here for uh, her husband's work, and they said it is just unbelievable. It's deafening all game long. And those are the atmospheres that are always fun. So I'd really love to go to a game at uh, Seattle sometime. Uh, Eagles get a great win over the Redskins. They scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, really explosive. So now they are even with the Cowboys in their division. They are most likely going to have to win their division to get in the playoffs. I doubt that a wild card is going to come out of the NFC East. That conference has just been pathetic this year. And that's actually why I am a fan of – uh, doing the seeding for the NFL playoffs like the NBA. I know some people say, well, then you minimize the importance of the division. And yeah, it's cool to hang up a banner and say you were the best out of your four teams in your division. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? I mean, if if a team that's going to be 10 and 6 or 9 and 7, now I'm, I don't know if that's going to happen. I haven't quite studied the standings very well. But you know, if you have a team with a losing record or that's 8 and 8 get in as a wild card and their teams with better records, I, I just feel like they should not be in. I mean, I, I think you would solve a lot of those issues if you just reseeded the teams uh, once you get to the playoffs and you go based off a of record just like the NBA does. So we'll see what happens, though. The Giants beat the Dolphins. I said earlier the Giants uh, should, sh- uh, should shut down Daniel Jones and give the last two games to Eli, if nothing more, just for, you know, romantic. romance sakes my gosh um you know Eli is probably going to be done after this year so I think they should just give it to him shut Jones down make sure that there's no further damage done and honestly Eli is not very good I (laughs) I mean I I think you know might as well put your backup in at this point and you can save your starter and you can also 
you know, further your chances for a better draft pick. So never hurts. The Chiefs pound on the Broncos. It has not been, or there actually hasn't been much talk that I know of, of the Chiefs lately. And I kind of find that confusing because I think they're still a relevant team in the AFC. I mean, they're, of course, everyone talks about their offense is great. Their defense is not that great, but at the end of the day, they're 10 and four. I think all the focus is on Lamar Jackson right now and the Patriots getting caught cheating again. But if they get a couple home games, I mean, that, that field of Arrowhead's pretty phenomenal. So I, I think they can definitely challenge for the AFC title. I don't, I don't know if they can beat the Ravens or Patriots um, in the, in a title game this year, but I do think that they're definitely someone to look out for because, you know, Pat Mahomes is the real deal. If they can, if they can stay healthy over the final couple weeks, I think they can really make a push. The Texans edge the Titans and that bodes well for my Colts. Uh, who need the Titans and Steelers to lose out to have a shot at the wild card. And yes, I'm a fan that does not believe in tanking whatsoever. Um, I would not be a good general manager or owner of a team because I would want to win every single game, even if my team had mathematically been eliminated. And so, yes, I would like the Colts to get in and just see what happens. I mean, they're so injured right now. Even if they got in, they'd probably get throttled in the first game. But I digress. DeAndre Hopkins had another incredible game. He's clearly cemented himself as the best receiver, in my opinion, in the league. I really think Julio Jones is the only one even in the same category as Hopkins. I mean, you have your your second-tier guys, guys like you know Juju Smith-Schuster. I'll probably miss a few, but you have them. I, I just don't see how anyone can make an argument for DeAndre Hopkins outside of maybe Julio Jones. Uh, the Buccaneers pounded the Lions. Uh, Jameis Winston is probably the biggest dichotomy in the NFL. I, I saw the best question ever. I actually heard it on the radio. Is Jameis the worst good uh, quarterback, the worst good quarterback, or the best bad quarterback in the league? Think about that. Is Jameis the worst good quarterback or the best bad quarterback in the league. I, I still haven't come up with an answer because some weeks it's like, oh, wow, this guy could be legit. And then you watch him and it's like, how is this guy still starting in the NFL? I don't get it. Anyways, the Bucks still have a shot at the playoffs. They need a little help from the Eagles, Bears, and Rams. I mean, that's a lot of help, actually. But I'm going to say watch out if they get in because gunslingers always have a chance. It's kind of like if the right team gets hot from three in a basketball game, basically anything can happen. I am concerned about their wide receiver situation. Um, They already lost Mike Evans for the year, and Chris Godwin got carted off yesterday um, with an injury as well. So if those two guys can't go, then they're they're done. But if those two guys can go, I mean, they're both – thousand yard receivers. I think both of them are in the top five with, uh, for receiving yards. So no reason that they can't make some noise. Um, if they actually get in Patriots throttled the Bengals, no storyline from this game. Um, I don't think that the whole cheating thing would have helped the Bengals. And honestly, they're going to win the Joe Burrow sweepstakes. So I'm sure they're like, yeah, sure. Here's our playbook for tomorrow. Make sure that you study it. Well, I'm shocked that they've stuck with Dalton for so long now. Um, I I mean, my gosh, how long does your team have to be so mediocre before you finally move on? Um, But then again, it is the Cincinnati Bengals, so how shocked can I really be about it? The real storyline that I think is going to be, what is the NFL going to do about New England? Um, I know they've talked fines and draft picks, but I mean, if you're just going to throw a couple hundred thousand, which to me, that's a lot of friggin' money, but to guys that are billionaires, it's you know, a drop in the ocean, they'd gladly pay a fine to get another title. And so are you going to, you know, take away a seventh rounder, a sixth rounder? In my honest opinion, I think that they need to be reseeded for the playoffs and lose a first or second rounder for at least a couple seasons. Uh, I'm just really sick of the NFL acting like they're going to hammer the Patriots and then they really don't do anything the way they should. Um, they don't go in on them like you would think. I mean, it's it's just a classic Patriots move. I mean, their film crew gets caught filming the sideline, and then the team admits it and says, oh, yeah, those are our guys, but they no one in football operations put them up to that. Well, let's look at the facts here. The guys that were at the game worked for a company owned 
by Robert Kraft. So there's one. Two, why would they be filming the sideline if they weren't like were they just filming the sideline for fun? I mean, I, I that's just I don't understand that. So how the NFL cannot come down hard on the Patriots this time, and I I mean hard, not not okay. Two hundred fifty grand, yeah, that sucks. A sixth, seventh rounder, yeah, that sucks. But my gosh, I I think the Patriots would gladly pay that price if it meant that they can gain an advantage. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what the NFL does. But if they don't come down hard on them, I'm just going to give up all hope on the NFL. So uh, last game of Sunday, the Bills edged the Steelers. Love it. Needed this one for my Colts. Essentially now the Colts, and, the Colts need the Steelers and Titans to lose their next two games, which based on their schedules is possible. The Steelers go to the Jets and to Baltimore for their last two. So – Baltimore is going to be competing for home field advantage, so they're going to beat the Steelers. The Jets, we'll see what happens with that one. I mean, it's in New York, so that bodes well for the Jets. Hopefully they show up. Hopefully the the right Sam Darnold shows up. Uh, and then the Titans have the Saints at home, which I think the Saints will beat them at home, although Ryan Tannehill is freaking re-energized this team. I, they're a completely different Titans team. But they have the Saints at home, and then they go to Houston. Uh, I think hopefully the Colts can get a win tonight and put the pressure on Houston to make sure that they show up for the last couple of games and not kind of coast with um, with a given with a given division win already. So we'll see. I mean, all that's predicated on the Colts winning out. I I want them to win tonight against the Saints. I just don't see how that happens. I mean, this is one of those games that you would think, okay, usually when the Colts are expected to get dominated like they were expected to against the Chiefs earlier this year, they somehow show up. I don't think this is going to be that game. I think Drew Brees is too good. Michael Thomas is too good. And the Colts just, I mean, my gosh, it seems like every time they play a good receiver, I mean, if you look at the success DeAndre Hopkins has on these guys, they just, it's like they're not even covering the good receivers. I mean, yeah, they, they have their zone defense, and I get it. They don't play tons of man, but it's like you would think that in your zone you would still want to know where a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is. But they just it, – it's like they forget about the best receivers in the NFL. And, I mean, I'm telling you, if, my, if they do that against Michael Thomas, Thomas might have 200 yards and three touchdowns because Breeze won't stop feeding him all game long. But if somehow they pull out the win tonight, then they're at home versus Carolina, and then they're at Jacksonville, which I think are two very winnable games. So after tonight, I will be filled with complete hope or complete gloom. So we will see what happens tonight. So I'm going to take a break real quick, and we're going to come back for some soccer. All right, we're back here with some soccer and the first point that I want to make is if anybody watched the men's NCAA championship on Sunday night, I just happened to catch a glimpse of the end and Georgetown was playing against Virginia and the game actually went to penalty kicks and the first 13 penalty kicks went in. None of them got stopped. And then the goal, the goalkeeper from, uh, from Georgetown actually saved the 14th penalty kick. So the Hoyas win, I'm just sitting here thinking about how hyped that would be. I mean, I've hit walk-off home runs before when I was playing baseball, but it was like it was a regular season game. Didn't really mean anything. It's still fun, but I I just can't imagine hitting a walk-off home run in a championship game, game-winning three or a game-winning field goal to win a Super Bowl or something like that. I mean, that has to be by far the best moment of that guy's life. So, uh, just just wanted to make that point before I get to the Premier League. Um, so let's talk about the English Premier League. So the table after 17 weeks goes as follows. Uh, And I'm going to go from 1 to 20 here. Liverpool, Leicester City, Man City, Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United, Sheffield United, Wolves, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Burnley, Brighton, Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, Aston Villa, and then Southampton and Norwich and Watford all in the relegation zone. You have 18, 19, 20. So what I like to do is I like to watch the newbies this year. So uh, basically the three teams that got promoted and just see if they can stay in the Premier League. I can imagine how awesome that would be for their fan bases to 
just at least get to stay for a couple of years. So, so far Sheffield United's making the most of their return. They're sitting in the seventh position right now. So, I mean, we have a lot of time to go, but that's a, a pretty good start. So they're definitely making their case to stay in the Premier League. Norwich and Aston Villa are currently tied points-wise at 15. Aston Villa is a little ahead based on goal differential. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see if either of them can sep- uh, excuse me, separate from the bottom and stay in the top flight this year. So I'm going to be watching those two quite closely. Um, Liverpool continues to dominate. I'd bet my entire future wealth on the fact that they're going to finish first this season. I'm sure a lot of people would, especially with Leicester um, only getting a point this weekend, letting Liverpool extend their lead now uh, to 10 points. I mean, that's that's three Liverpool losses. And, well, actually, no, that would be three Liverpool losses, and then Leicester's going to have to win quite a bit to catch back up. I just don't see anyone being able to catch up with them. I mean, it's it's probably not news for any of the soccer slash football fans on here, but yeah, I mean, I will say though, Leicester definitely is impressing so far this year. I mean, yesterday was a pretty disappointing match, um, and I like I said, it solidified no one's catching Liverpool. But Leicester has not lost in ten matches, and their last loss was a one goal loss to Liverpool. So. Um, they def- they have the highest goal differential in the league so far, but they did beat Southampton nine to nothing in one game, which is impressive nonetheless. But you know most of their goal differential comes from that one game, but still impressive nonetheless with you know the likes of Man City and Liverpool on both sides. Uh, Man City, although they're not as dominant right now as last season, they still have a plus twenty eight goal differential in their eleven wins. I mean they're they're going to be a top five side this year. Um, there's way too much money in that club for them to not finish top five, but I am curious to see if they'll be top three, um, when it's all said and done. Um, so I'm going to be really watching, um, especially down the stretch. I'm going to be watching every single game. Uh, we have quite a ways to get there, so we'll see if Man City can start separating themselves again, but yeah, they're going to finish top five. Curious to see if they'll end up being top three. I am very surprised right now to see Spurs sitting in the top five. Um, but I, I really think we're going to need a few more weeks to see who this team really is. Um, you know, with the replacing of their manager, uh, Mourinho's done, I I think they've done pretty well since he's came in, but like I said, we're just going to need a few weeks. I mean, they, what they proved yesterday was that they can win a match without just launching the ball downfield or down pitch, I guess, all match long. So we're going to see, is is this the new Spurs? Are, are they a win-ugly kind of team? Or are they going to, you know, was that just a do-what-you-got-to-do type of match and they're still the same old Spurs? I don't think that'll be the case with Mourinho, but, you know, we're, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I'm excited. I think it's good for the league when Spurs is relevant, but we'll, you know, like I said, we'll see. So last thing I want to touch on, so the team that I've been following this year uh, for the for the most part, is Wolves or Wolverhampton Wanderers for those that aren't Premier League fans. Um, I've somewhat watched them closely this year. What I think is that they're going to end up finishing somewhere between nine and twelve. Um, they've had some good wins this season, most notably their win against Manchester City. Um, but a lot of their matches are coming down to late game heroics. And I just don't think it's going to be sustainable for the long term. I, I don't think any team that constantly has to fight and claw at the very end. Now it, it's good that they're able to fight and claw. It shows that they don't have any, any, um, you know, they don't have a lack of effort and they don't give up at the end of games, but it's, I don't think it's a recipe for success if you're having to scratch and claw in the last five minutes of every single match. So so that's it for the Premier League. Uh, I I know the MLS just wrapped up a month ago. The Seattle Sounders won uh, three to one over the over Toronto FC in the MLS Cup. In my personal opinion, I'd really rather see a two leg playoff system uh, in the MLS. I mean, reasons why? I, I guess I just like watching the Premier League so much that I wish the MLS could emulate basically everything that they do. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that a one, I think a one match game in all the sports, I think that the leg system makes sense. Um, football wise, yes, a, any team can win on win on any given night, but usually the better squad wins. 
And I don't think the Sounders or Toronto FC was the best on their um, in their conferences this year. But, you know, they got hot. And congrats to the Sounders on winning that uh, MLS Cup. I do, I do think a two-leg system would be better. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, can't do anything about it. So um, I loved that Atlanta United won the Campeones Cup this year. Basically, anything that gives American soccer any more credibility with better leagues in the world is cool for me. It is kind of ironic, though, that the team they beat was Club America, or, I, I mean, obviously that means Club America. Um, game was played on American soil, and the American team beat Club America. So, fun little tidbit for you. Um, I do have a wild idea. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that's thought it would be cool for the U S to have a promotion relegation system. I think it would be cool to have a promotion slash relegation league that goes five leagues deep. Um, there's more money in the U S than there is in England. And I know England right now, they have three or four, I believe it's three or four flights below the premier league that can be considered professional that actually get paid enough to make soccer their profession. So I, I think the U S could definitely do that. I did hear though, and this is something that I didn't know is that the MLS does have a salary cap. And there are a lot of people that have said that is the sole reason why the MLS will never compete with these bigger leagues in the world because there's an unlimited amount of money. I mean, Man United, Manchester, Liverpool, all these teams, they will be able to spend whatever they want to to get a player, whereas the MLS, they do not. They have to stay within a budget, which the MLS supporters are going to argue, okay, well, that helps with parity in your league because you know basically teams can't buy the league uh, like, like other leagues can. Uh, I mean, you see in La Liga, you see in the Portuguese league, you see in... Um, the German league, it's the same two or three squads every single year. Whereas in the MLS, I feel like everyone has a legitimate shot every single year because there's just much better parity. But I don't think the league will ever rise to be anywhere near like those other leagues are until the salary cap's gone. But then, of course, your team's in LA, your team's in New York, you know, Dallas, all of them are going to be significantly better than you know teams like Cincinnati um you know t- I'm trying to think of another one off the top of my head Vancouver I mean there there's just not going to be enough money for for the smaller squads to compete so I mean I know this is this is much easier said than done there's enough big if there's enough big cities in England to make it happen though there's definitely enough here enough here but it does mean that some current MLS clubs would have to be moved down a level if that were to happen I mean, that would probably be pretty devastating. I don't know if they would do it based off of attendance or how they would do that because a couple of the teams that are in the bottom of the league in attendance are also some of your original teams like Columbus and Chicago. So um, I I would love to see promotion relegation, but yeah, we're probably a long way off from that. I, I do hope I see it in my lifetime though. So that's it for soccer though. So I'm going to move on to basketball now. Uh, first, we're going to start with the NBA. Um, speaking of the NBA, how's everyone feeling about them? If you're watching on YouTube, drop a comment. How's everyone feeling about the NBA, though? I mean, it, it's no secret that their numbers are down as far as their uh, viewership. It seems like they always just find a way to spark major controversy every season. I mean, whether it was pulling the All-Star game out of North Carolina because of the uh, because of the bathroom law, um, this year with the whole China debacle, I, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Can we just agree that sports and politics are just not mixing very well? I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been more and more prevalent. I'm just finding it increasingly polarizing. So yeah, drop a comment with your thoughts on that. But so I'm a Pacers fan. You'll probably get a lot more Pacers than you care to have mostly because I don't follow the NBA super closely uh, other other than the Pacers. So I apologize if you're not a Pacers fan. If you are not, you might want to go ahead and skip to the NCAA section. But um, I'm going to start with the Pacers. They're currently 18-9. and nine. That was such a pivotal offseason that they had with all their signings. 
uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren. I mean, they these dudes have been phenomenal. DeMontis Sabonis has proved that he is worth every single penny that they paid him. They are a 50-win team right now without Victor Oladipo. So I really think that once Oladipo is healthy, I think the Pacers are the only team in the East outside of maybe the 76ers that can contend with Milwaukee. Uh, I, I really think Milwaukee is going to end up going to the uh, – the championship from the East division, but I, I do think the Pacers can give them a run for their money when it comes to the playoffs. So, um, so far this year, I've loved watching the Mavericks. When I get a chance, Luka Doncic is quickly becoming a top five guy. In my opinion, uh, my picks for this year's title game, I think the Lakers are going to play the bucks in the finals. Um, what I'm really interested to see though, is the all LA Western conference finals that I really think is going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's a possibility because right now they're one and two. I think that they're head and shoulders above the rest of the West. I mean, the Rockets could catch fire, but I I don't see anyone catching either of them. So that is going to be awesome. I really don't stay up for West Coast games, and that's probably part of why the NBA is losing a little bit of uh, viewership this year is because LeBron's in the West now. When LeBron was in the East, I might actually stay up and watch a game, but I'm I'm not staying up to watch a game that's going to start at ten or eleven o'clock just for LeBron. So, but if there was an All LA Western Conference Finals, I would one hundred percent stay up for all seven games if it went to seven. My biggest beef right now, though, with the NBA is I just think too many teams get in the playoffs. I mean. Over half of the league gets in. I, I just don't think that you can call the playoffs an exclusive cool event if half if more than half of your squads are getting in. Currently, there are three teams with losing records that would get in if the season ended today. You usually have a team with a losing record that gets in. Right now, the Magic, the Kings, and the Suns are all um, they all have a losing record and they would get in the playoffs if it ended today. And it's just like I can see if it happens every now and then, but when you have three squads that could potentially get in with losing records, yeah, I I mean, I know everything's about money, but their playoffs really need to be something a little more exclusive, Um, and it's like an actual treat to get into, kind of like the NFL or the MLB, so... Moving on to college basketball, obviously I'm extremely unhappy right now because Ohio State flopped in their first game after being moved into the top five. Got pounded by freaking Minnesota. You got to be kidding me. I know the Big Ten's pretty deep this year, but come on. I mean, they just completely laid an egg. When Dwayne Washington went out, it, they just they look lost. I mean, I was watching them earlier this year, and I think their guards, their young guards, are really good. I just think they turn the ball over way too much for long term sustained ability, or I guess sustainability. They're they're really they don't take care of the ball. They go into spurts where they'll just four or five possessions they'll give away and against better teams or when it comes down to the wire in the big 10 or in the tournament, that's, that's not going to fly. So, I mean, they have some impressive wins, but what I will say about the NCAA this year so far is that the parody has been insane. I mean, Louisville became the fourth number one team so far this season to lose to, uh, basically fourth fourth number one team to lose. Um, Michigan State lost to Kentucky. Kentucky lost to Evansville. Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. And then Louisville lost to Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech's not a horrible loss because they're Texas Tech's a pretty good team. And then Michigan State losing to Kentucky, that's not really a horrible loss either for a number one. But, I, I mean, that is pretty crazy, though, that four number ones have already lost this year. So it is pretty impressive how volatile that spot has been. No one's really separated themselves yet. Granted, it's pretty early, but this year's tournament, I think, is going to be wide open. I think you're going to see some real shocks when it comes to March Madness. You always do, but I just have that feeling. I don't think the Blue Bloods are going to go very far this year. It seems like there's always upsets early rounds, but then the Blue Bloods are right back at it in the Elite Eight. So I I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Um, Big Ten, the best conference so far this year, top to bottom. They won the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I think they're better at the top and at the bottom. Basically meaning I think their top three are better than the ACC, and their bottom three is also better. Everything in the middle is probably a wash, but I think the Big Ten wins on the top three and the bottom three. North Carolina, they're really going to be hurting right now. Cole Anthony is out indefinitely. 
when I was watching the Ohio State and North Carolina game, Cole Anthony, when he was not on the court, it was just a rough display on the offensive end. Uh, and even when he was in, it was basically he's really good, but there were some a lot of contested threes, three and four feet behind the line that he was just jacking them up. They were going in, granted, because he's a good player, but yeah, they're they're not going to be faring too well I think here in a couple of weeks when you look at the ACC standing so waiting to see if anyone separates as we head a little bit deeper into conference play but I'm going to take a quick break gather my thoughts and we're going to head into some baseball talk all right y'all we are back and now I want to move on to some baseball here so basically the biggest storyline is going to be free agency I mean it's madness every year in the ba- in the Major League Baseball. So the obvious one is going to be Garrett Cole. I'm going to get to that one in just a second. I want to touch on some of the other deals. I'm just going to run through a, a small list of guys and that got signed and just give my quick thoughts. So Jose Abreu re-signed for $50 million over three years. Um, he had a pretty good year. I mean, he had... He had a good amount of home runs, had about 123 RBIs, I believe is what I read. Um, I'm really not convinced he's worth almost $17 million a year, but the other options at first base really aren't the greatest. So, I mean, I guess what they can do is take this three years as a period to develop and bring up their stud, Andrew Vaughn. Um, he's currently one of the top rated first basemen in the minor league system. So hopefully in the next three years, he can come to fruition. I know not all those guys work out, but that could be, hopefully Abreu can be a stopgap for, um, Vaughn. And then, um, Abreu will be 35 by the time his contract is over. So, um, yeah, they would definitely need to move on at that point. Brett Gardner, one year, 12 and a half million re-signed with the Yankees. Basically, I agree with anyone that's a lefty signing with the Yankees because no matter what their age or ability, anyone can get a ball out of that freaking Cracker Jack box of a stadium. And I apologize that I'm a Red Sox fan and my bias comes through when I talk Yankees. But, I mean, come on. I, I don't know if you can really take any of their lefties' home runs seriously. I mean, let's be honest. Michael Waka, one year, $3 million to the Mets. I like this as kind of a prove-it deal by the Mets. Waka's only 28, so he's still young for a pitcher. He has a career ERA under four and still has some pretty good stuff. So, you know, I'm okay with this move. Mike Moustakis, four years, $64 million to the Reds. He hit 35 home runs last year. He did also have more walks last year than any other year in his career. So I, I think this is a pretty good deal for the Reds. Um, let's look at a couple of the big deals so far. Not that 64 mil is not a big deal, but considering some of the moves so far. Um, Anthony Rendon, seven years, $245 million. He's a very, very solid player. He's usually top 10 in the MVP voting, top 10, top 12. I just can't see myself ever justifying paying a position player $35 million a year and tying your club to him until he's 36 years old. Maybe it'll pan out because Rendon's really, really good, but I personally just have a really tough time with these really long deals for the positional guys when they're making that kind of money. I mean, I I understand that contracts are structured differently, so he might not be getting 35 million every year, but I'm just basically using the years and the, the, the dollar amount that's, I mean, 35 million a year for position player. I, I I really got to think that Mike Trout's probably the only him and Christian Yelich, I think are the only two position players I would even come close to that kind of money for. But you know, I guess the Angels really got their guy. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how Rendon does. He's going to be a stud, but, you know, we'll see if he can prove how much he's actually worth uh, coming into this year. Steven Strasburg re-signed for seven years, $245 million. So same exact contract other than, I'm assuming, little intricacies, just looking at years and dollars. Um, I like this contract more because pitchers seem to have a longer shelf life, and I think they can make a bigger impact, especially for playoff teams, which obviously the Nationals are going to be a playoff team. And I, yeah, I personally think that this, this makes more sense to me pitchers doing that because um, I mean, Strasburg's completely healthy. I I don't see why he's not going to dominate over at least the next five years. And even after that, the last couple of years, he's still going to be a good pitcher. He might not be throwing 96, 97, 98, but he wasn't doing that all year anyways. Um, so I, I think that he's going to be 
uh, a really good sign. Garrett Cole, nine years, 324 million bones. My Lord Almighty. I mean, it's fantastic for Garrett Cole and his family. I mean, his great-grandkids, probably great-great-grandkids are set for life. This, I think, makes the Yankees the team to beat in the AL for years to come, provided they'll have enough money to pay the rest of the young guys on their team, because I do think that they're going to have to part with some of these guys. I mean, Judge, when he's a free agent, is going to command a massive contract. Giancarlo Stan is getting paid a lot of money. I I mean, the Yankees have the money, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to have enough to pay all of their studs. But when you have a rotation like theirs and a bullpen like theirs, I mean, you're basically going to be banking on the fact that even if the ha- even if you have to let go of a couple of your sluggers, I mean, teams are going to have to score. Or I, I should say you're basically banking on the fact that your team is going to score more than – three or four runs a night because I just don't see a team really putting together that much of a hitting streak against the the Yankees to be able to compete with them long-term, even my Red Sox, you know? So that's it for baseball. The last thing I want to talk about here, I actually want to talk about a little golf. So uh, I want to hit on some president's cup action. Uh, Tiger Woods led the U S to a victory over the international team And I'm probably going to make this a much bigger deal than necessary. But over the last two years, the U.S. has really, really asserted their uh, dominance over the rest of the world when it comes to golf. Um, Maybe it's just a mind thing. Maybe I was just thinking, okay, golf, you know, founded in Europe. You know, seems like there used to be a lot of European guys winning all these tournaments. Maybe I need to go back and look at the numbers a little closer and be refreshed. But currently... Six of the world's top 10 golfers are American. 13 of the top 25 are as well. And when it comes to major majors, just look at this past year. So Tigers won the Masters by one stroke. Uh, number two, three, and four were also Americans in the Masters. Masters. Uh, Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship over Dustin Johnson. And Gary Woodland won the U.S. Open over Kepka. And then the Europeans got after it in the Open Championship when Shane Lowry beat Tommy Fleetwood. So um, that actually was awesome. Uh, that The Open Championship was in Northern Ireland and Shane Lowry being an Irishman. Um, I was watching that live, and you would have thought it was a football game the way that the crowd was yelling um, when Lowry's putts were going in. I mean, he was just destined to win that. Don't know when the next major will be back in Ireland or Northern Ireland, so that was huge for him. But, yeah, so it, it just really seems like they're asserting their dominance um, like I said, I'm probably making a bigger deal out of that than it needs to be, but it's always good to see your home country dominating in a, in a particular sport. So, all right, everyone, that's all I have for you today. If I forgot something very important, or if you'd like to light me up about how dumb something was that I said, make sure to send a text on WhatsApp at 317-798-9969. Also follow us on social media. All of our links will be in the show notes. I will have timestamps down there for you as well. So you can skip around to different sports if you'd like to as well. So everyone have a phenomenal rest of your week. I'm your host, Ray, and thank you for tuning in to the Backwards Hat Podcast.